It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning, 43 degrees outside. Not a terribly cold morning. Sort of overdressed for it. I have my T-shirt, and then I have a sort of a cotton thing, and then over that a vest. And so when I got outside, I thought, well, maybe I didn't need the vest this morning to get into the car and drive to the station. But nonetheless, 43 degrees, it ain't 15 degrees, and it ain't 70 degrees. We had both of those in the past year. So at 6.07, this is the Lawn and Garden Show. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do. In your, in your garden or your landscape. If you want something to happen, describe it to me, and I'll tell you how to get there. That's all you have to do. We have a phone number. You heard it just now, 404-872-0750. We can be reached by Twitter on Saturday mornings. If you'll just go to Twitter and put, a, put your question in and include the hashtag AskWalter, hashtag AskWalter. And Ashley Frasca, who screens calls for me, will look through all the Twitter messages Look for that hashtag, and if you have a question, then we shall read it out, and we'll answer it on the air a few minutes later. Again, 404-872-0750, and hashtag AskWalter at Twitter. Ashley and I looked at each other and said, where have you been for so long? Because she, <laughs> so she did such a great job hosting the show while I was gone to Ecuador and the Amazon and the Galapagos Islands, and I listened to her, as I mentioned last Saturday, I listened to her doing the show, and uh, then last Saturday, she was off, and I had her poorly prepared substitute in here, Josh, who did actually a very good job, actually. So it is like we haven't seen each other for a long time. I appreciate that. Yeah, I love filling in for you, but it's exhausting. No offense. <laughs> I don't know how you do it religiously every Saturday. So after two weeks of filling in for you, I need the next Saturday. Take a break. Take a break. It's Saturday off. That's exactly right. You had a good Thanksgiving, Ashley? I did. It was very small, but it was nice and quiet. How about you? Let's see. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, including five college freshmen ladies who were there with my friend as well as uh, uh, her college chums were there. They all were chirpy and chatty and just as you would expect college freshmen to be. Can you imagine if it had been five college boys? Oh, my Lord. The amount of food. Oh, my God. We would have had double the amount of food that we had. We had turkey, yeah, but they would have taken that turkey down to the bone. Boys are famous for taking most of Thanksgiving into their stomachs and going outside and playing football in the backyard and then coming in and wanting some sandwiches. Got some sandwiches around 3 o'clock. That's no. really sweet, though. The The college students that are obviously out of state yep. and away from home for yep. the holidays, they had a nice meal with you all. A couple from New York, one from Philadelphia, one from Texas. And so they were from different parts of the world, and that was nice to have them there as part of our guests as part of the Thanksgiving season. I'm really thankful this year that I have had a reasonably good year, and because of rain in the spring, with my flowers. Things have bloomed in my garden that I didn't really think were going to bloom and did very nicely in the backyard. I saw some flowers there that I was really proud of. I'm thankful that the rains were not so hard that they washed things away. I'm thankful that my basement did not flood but one time the whole year, and that was because I sort of left a, left a drain where I shouldn't have left it, so that was that. So lots of things to be thankful for in the landscape. If you have things you would like to be 
thankful for, you'd like to tell me about that you're thankful for this morning, you're welcome to do that as well. Again, what are you successful? What do you need to what information do you need to be successful? And what are you thankful for this year? One of the things that I'm doing right now that I will be thankful for, I think, in the next month and a half maybe, is I got from one of my publishers this huge amaryllis plant, amaryllis bulb, I should say. It's in a pot. It's already got the soil and everything in there. All I had to do was soak it in water in a little bucket for about a half an hour to get the soil nice and moist. And then I put it on my sun porch underneath a lamp that I have there. And when I got it and opened it up, of course, the top of the bulb was completely sort of brown, gray-looking. didn't look like it had any life to it at all. But then when I put it underneath the light, within two or three days, two days, it was started to turn green. And I'm sure that by the next day or two from now, I'll start to see that little tiny leaf blade will poke right through the middle of it. And then over the next week or so, it'll get taller and taller and taller. And finally, the leaves will be about 12 to, what, 16 inches, I guess, long. And then, the exciting part, then the flower stalk comes up from the middle. This is, they say, in the little blurb that they sent me with the uh, amaryllis, they say this is one of the biggest amaryllis flowers you've ever seen in your life. This is enormous. This is like nine inches across, something enormous and huge and fabulous and wonderful. I'm even thinking that I have a time-lapse camera. Several years ago, I bought a little tiny, cheap time-lapse camera that every... I think it's every minute or two minutes or something, it takes a picture of a place. And so I'm going to set it up in a solid, stable place so I don't move it or anything and let it take pictures of my amaryllis as it goes from the bulb that it is right now all the way up to the great big flower. I don't know. Maybe that would be something fun to fun to look at and see how the amaryllis grows and, and blooms this year. The most amaryllis, if you have one now, of course, if you want to get it to bloom for Christmas, now's the time. Better do the same as I'm doing. Put it in a, in a pot with some potting soil, soak it down so it gets not lots of uh, moisture around the base of the amaryllis where the roots are. Put it in a warm place, put it where it has some light to guide that blade, that first leaf blade from coming up, and then sort of close, sort of close to Christmas, you'll have a nice-looking amaryllis flower to enjoy. And then, of course, after Christmas, once all the flower bulbs and blooms have, have faded, then you cut off the stalk, just the little stalk that the flowers came on, leave the leaves on the bulb, put it in a sunny window, and then when uh, April 1st of May, probably it has to be nice and warm outside, but when it's nice and warm outside, you can either leave it in the pot and leave it for the rest of the summer in a pot in a semi-shade, sort of a bright shade location, or you can plant it in the ground. There's no reason in the world not to plant amaryllis in the ground in your garden. If you want to see something spectacular in May, most years after that, it's when they bloom naturally. And so if you want to see it bloom in May, you can have a little collection of all your, your Christmas amaryllis that you've had over the years, and they can be in your garden. And you can think about the, the year that you had it indoors and then the year that you planted it outside, and then hopefully it'll, it'll get on a cycle to bloom in May every year. We got lots of people already calling in with garden questions this morning. Let's go to them. DJ is in Decatur, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, DJ. Uh, good morning, sir. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, DJ. What's up? For while raking leaves and pine straw, is it a good idea to keep that, those piled up around trees? Not really. No. No. Um, if you pile it around the trunk of the tree, there's a big 
possibility that you'll have critters like voles, these little mice things that chew on bark of trees. They'll have no place. They'll have no better place to be than underneath the under the cover of all those leaves there, yeah. so the voles can get in there and chew around the base of the tree. If it's moist, if it's a real thick layer of soggy leaves, and it's moist, and the diseases that can get in through wounds in the bark. So pull them away. Pull it away at least about six to twelve inches, I think. Well, with the uh Leaves and pine straw add acid to the soil? No. That's one of those myths. Boy, DJ, oh. okay. if there's any myth I would like to correct right now, yep. for all those within the sound of my voice and <laughs> DJ's voice, pine needles and oak leaves and all those things that we somehow have believed are acidic-forming uh, things that make the soil more acidic underneath, completely right. not true. They good. do not change the pH of the soil. Just oh, good. it away. Okay. But well, the uh, leaves, if you put them out, I'm assuming, of course, you're not having anything else like grass growing there because the leaves on top of the grass on top, you know, in the, under the tree are not going not to grow very well under the darkness of all those leaves. But as long as you're just mulching around the tree and, you know, holding the moisture in and keeping the weeds down, that's certainly a great use for, for leaves. Okay, so the takeaway is just pull it back maybe a foot or two from the uh, trunk. You got it. And All a right. layer, oh gosh, I would say at least three inches, maybe six inches deep is fine with me. They'll decompose over the wintertime, and by next spring, the layer will be probably an inch thick because the leaves will decompose and break apart and all that. So you won't have as much then as you do now, but it's a great way to keep the tree happy and healthy. Some nutrients come in from the leaves, too. So that is one good thing that leaves uh, give a little bit of nitrogen, a little bit of potassium and phosphorus for the, for the plant. Thank you, sir. You bet, DJ. Great question. Thanks for calling. We've got Mike on the line. Mike lives out in Watkinsville, way out there in in uh, the hey. east part of the state. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Hey, Walter. How you doing? Hey, doing all right. What's up? Um, we are going to start building a house soon, and so we might get to the landscaping. The goal is going to be June or July, and okay. I'm, we're probably going to put down sod. It's going to get full sun. Is there any, as far as, Go in Bermuda. Is yeah. it possible to like the remnant sod that you get the discount on, or so? Just go ahead and pay up and get new good sod. Ooh. What's the success rate on using the like discount sod? When you say discount, give me a little bit more description of what you're talking about. Um, where they sell it by the, the pallet, it might yeah. be left over from the season or something like yeah. that. From a landscaping company, or I've even seen Lowe's do it. Yeah, sure. A lot depends on how much life is left in the roots. If it's been completely dried out, very likely it's not going to come back. On the other hand, you've seen, and I've seen too, pieces of sod that the top of it is brown, but you can see it's been moist. The roots still look like they're white, and it looks like a pretty healthy plant. All it needs is a little bit of moisture and a little bit of warmth and let it root down, and all of a sudden you got a great-looking piece of sod for 50, 50 cents on the dollar. So right. how would you determine this? I think if you have a place, do the examination. Look on the bottom of the piece of sod. Just flip it over and see what the roots mm-hmm. look like. If they're shriveled up and desiccated and just totally brown, lifeless, that's not the side you ought to really spend any money in, in installing. But if the roots are pretty white and look like they still have life in them, even though the top of the side is brown, yeah, I would take a chance on that. All right, great. And Right now, it's mostly pine. It's fully wooded. We're going to clear it. Is there any sort of conditioning I should do for the soil to give us a better shot at it? Is it sure sort of clay, real lots, lots of clay in the soil, or sort of brown and organic? Or what does um, it look like? 
I'm not sure yet. Um, we did do a soil test. I know they're going to make us do a um, engineer planning yeah. for our septic and all that because yeah. of the soil. But as far as acid levels and is it clay or what, we haven't actually broke ground to find out yet. If you if you want to have a pretty Bermuda lawn forever and ever, the investments you make when before you plant it, really, to have the soil at least a little bit of organic matter incorporated in it. If somebody... You know, the chicken houses, I'm sure, somewhere in Watkinsville that you could go out and say, give me a couple of truckloads of chicken manure, let me spread it on top of the ground, an inch or two thick, till it in, add the lime if the soil test comes back and says you need some lime, and till that in and lay the side on top of that. That is an investment for a decade in just making the soil pretty for the side to be laid onto. If you have just hard red clay and you scrape it flat with a bobcat and lay the side pieces on top of that, You'll always have trouble with diseases and insects and faded spots that happen during the summer when it's hot and stuff. So consider, you know, the investment you put in the soil is going to be paid back in years to come. All right. Well, great. Thank you very much, Walter. man. It's nice talking to you, Mike. Thanks for calling. It's 619 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Mostly cloudy today, high 64 degrees, low around 41 tonight. Great football weather. The University of Georgia Bulldogs against Georgia Tech here at Bobby Dodd Stadium. More on Sunday. Tomorrow, high of 61, low of 37, just a little bit cooler then. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Rose in Roswell, Georgia joins us. Hey, Rose. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Yes. Um... In the December issue of Southern Living, I read about a product called Wilt Proof yeah. that apparently can be used for um, reefs and topiaries, mm-hmm. and the information said it can make them last up to four months. So I was wondering if you have any information about that. It's an anti-desiccant is what it's called. It's like a, mm, a sprayable wax, if you will, and so it just seals the leaves when you have fresh leaves in a living wreath or something. It seals the leaves so they don't evaporate, so they don't turn brown, so it makes them look good for several months. Yeah, sure. I have seen Wiltproof once or twice at Pikes. I might maybe call there and see if they have it. Sometimes I've seen it at local hardware stores, and if not, you can always order it online. Wiltproof is a common product. You can get it pretty easily. Well, Pikes has a product that she says is comparable to Wiltproof. It's not actually Wiltproof. Uh-huh. But, um, I know there are competitors that I think would probably, as she says, probably do the same as Wiltproof. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Well, just one more thing. What are you going to plant in the living wreath, Rose? What plants, what leaves, what are you going to have in there? Well, I'm not planting anything in, in the wreath. I'm, I'm, well, I want to get a boxwood, uh, boxwood wreath uh-huh. uh, for to put in my kitchen. Oh, God. And um, I know last year when I purchased a boxwood wreath, it didn't last very long. So yeah, it dried up and all the leaves fell down on the floor. Yeah, I know what they yeah. look like. <laughs> well, try the try the anti-desiccant product and let's see if it didn't last for a lot longer this year. Do you know how often it needs to be sprayed? Just a couple of times. Once, and then maybe once after that. End of story. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Louise. Thanks for calling. It's 627. 
Our phone number is 404-872-0750 or hashtag AskWalter on Twitter. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 636 and 43 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you do whatever you want to do in your landscape and do it successfully. If you have a question about your trees, about your houseplants, about your lawn, what you can do right now, if you have any questions about shrubbery or flowers you want to plant next year, if you have questions about how to start an organic garden, you know, you can, it's never too early to start the process of having an organically inspired garden. You can do that. I can give you advice on that. If you just want to get rid of fruit flies in your kitchen, then I have a ways of getting rid of fruit flies in your kitchen. All you have to do is call. And the number is easy, 404-872-0750. Or if you want to ask a question online at Twitter, just use the hashtag AskWalter. I think Ashley has a first... Yeah, we have a Twitter question. What is it, Ash? I really like having that element of the social media interaction, yeah. too. And I kind of leaned on that a little bit when I filled in for you. Um, the Pike's Pick one weekend was camellias. Yeah. So I threw it out there. I said, you know, I want to see your camellias. And people actually tweeted wow, photos of nice. their camellia bushes and tagged me so I could see them. So that was really neat to see people kind of answer the call on that. Right. Good idea. So what's the question? All right, so this comes from Jen on Twitter, and she says, How do I get rid of dandelions now and prevent them from coming back in the spring? <laughs> what could you do now? Huh. You know, dandelions are a deciduous weed. In other words, they lose their leaves in the wintertime, right? They don't have any leaves right now because the frost has come enough that all the leaves have faded away. And all that's left is a root. A root is the is the active growing part. That's the part that's going to, when it gets warm next spring, the root will sprout out new leaves, and the dandelion then will sprout then. Gosh, Jen, the only thing I can think to do would be to dig the roots up, but you don't know where the roots are, so I guess the second best thing is to dig the whole bed up, if it's not too large of an area, and get all the roots out of it that way. I've had to do that for some weeds that just could not control any other way other than by digging the whole bed up and sifting through the soil. And if I had a root, throw it away, root, throw it away. There's nothing to put on the soil that would kill dandelion roots. There's nothing you could do as a pre-emergent that would keep the seeds from coming up because they come up from roots, not from seeds mostly. For Jen, that may be the stumper of the morning. I don't have anything she could do for her dandelions at this time of the year. Now, I can think of two questions that spawn off of that. One is, what is when I take dandelions out manually, I, I remove a lot of weeds manually. I yeah. prefer that. I use a, a spade yeah. because is what's that long root called? Like you have to make sure, is it a taproot? Taproot, that's called a taproot, yeah. Because you have to make sure you get the actual long. Yeah, because you know. it's really good about if you get half the root, if your spade is a little short spade, you don't go in very deeply, you leave half the root there. The part, of, part that's left in the ground says, hey, great, I just got to do a little more work to get to the surface. <laughs> I'll go to the surface, and you'll have a dandelion there before you know it. And then is it true that 
the thing that we would blow as kids when it's a little puffball yeah, and you right. does that are those truly those seeds, seeds spreading those you're out there you know having a great time blowing those little white puffballs and your parents if they cared about the weeds in their lawn or your neighbors cared about the weeds in their lawn they're all thinking oh my god Ashley stop don't do that <laughs> <laughs> you're spreading the seeds of the dandelion everywhere yeah, that's true. Oh, wow. I feel really bad. My parents were <laughs> yeah, probably right. you so You were responsible for all the weeds in Woodstock and Canton and where you were when you grew up. So <laughs> I guess that's true. Now, all right, I'll talk for a moment about other weeds that we could do something about right now, all right? Chickweed. Chickweed, if it is in your garden, it has sprouted now. And they're little bitty round leaves. They're about uh, the size of your little finger, I guess. And they'll start making sort of a mat. It won't be just one individual plant. It'll be 20 or 30 of them all in one place making a mat of leaves. This is the time of year that you can do something about controlling them. You could use an organic kills everything spray that has the horticultural vinegar or with the um, herbicidal soap. Either one of those products would work fine. Again, these are things you buy. You don't make horticultural horticultural vinegar. Vinegar from your kitchen won't work. You have to get a real strong type of vinegar called horticultural vinegar to kill things. And the same with the horticultural soap. It is a thing that in one strength is used for insecticide and another strength is used for killing plants. So a horticultural plant killing soap would work very well on chickweed. If you want to use um, Roundup, any of the Roundup brands would do fine on chickweed, but getting rid of it now is a whole lot easier then when that mat that was 6 inches wide, 12 inches wide now becomes 18, 24, 36, so it gets to be a great big mat with lots of wiry, stemmy weeds and flowers, and the flowers have seeds and they scatter everywhere and you have to keep controlling the chickweed. So if you want to control chickweed, now would be a great time, if you're not already, to spray it, to get rid of it, get it out of there. There are organic as well as synthetic ways of controlling it, but do it now rather than waiting until April when it's going to be a real mess to control. Bonnie is up in Cumming, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Bonnie, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Well, um, I know it's probably kind of late because they're actually the crepe myrtles or leaves are dying, but um, late in the summer till now, I've had a a black kind of a residue on the leaves. It's gotten on my roses, which are nearby. Um, Is I mean, I've you know you take water and it doesn't do anything. It just leaves there. It's on the tree itself too. It's a Interesting thing, because the reason you had it so markedly this year was because last winter was not nearly cold enough to kill that huge population of crepe myrtle aphids that were on your crepe myrtle back in 2016. So it was a mild winter. All the crepe myrtle aphids who you know were out and didn't get frozen, they're saying, hey, great, 2017, let's go. And so these aphids began feeding on the leaves and the stems of the leaves on your uh, crepe myrtle. And when they consume, I don't know how to describe them other than teenage boys, I guess, they can't consume everything that they that they suck into one end of their body, and out the other end of their body comes this real sticky, honeydew, syrupy kind of stuff, little dots of it. And those dots fall into leaves in the trunk of your tree and the roses that are nearby and the mulch underneath the tree. And they these little dots of sugary honeydew stuff are a really great place for a black 
sooty mold, we call it sooty mold. It grows just specifically on the honeydew of aphids. So that's what you really have, or what you had, I guess, during the summertime was was crepe myrtle aphids. And no telling if it's going to get cold enough this winter. I hope it will, Bonnie. But if it still stays, you know, 30s and very high 20s during the wintertime, you'll have more crepe myrtle aphids next year to deal with. Oh, there's nothing you can do. Ah, but we haven't gotten to that part yet. Yes, there is something you could do. (laughs) Not right now. The good part is you don't have to do anything right now. Just put it on your calendar. And let me think. When do the leaves come on crepe myrtles, Bonnie? In March, maybe, when you see the first little beginning, the buds start swelling in March. That's when I would do it. There are two or three products, all of which are called systemic insecticides. And one that I know just because I see it everywhere is called Bayer, like, like the headache medicine, Bayer Tree and Shrub. And at uh, Pike, they have one called Bonide Systemic Granules. And you put the stuff on the ground, the tree and shrub, you mix it with water, and you put it on the ground. You drench the ground underneath the crepe myrtle with this stuff, and the roots of the crepe myrtle suck it up and put it into the sap. So whenever, whenever an aphid gets into the crepe myrtle and starts sucking sap, they get poisoned and they die, and you don't have any more crepe myrtle oh, aphids okay. and no black stuff all over the leaves. And it lasts, gosh, this stuff lasts in the soil for me sometimes two, even three years. So but don't do it till the spring. You don't really need to. No, it's just not going to do any good unless it's uh, on the leaves, and they don't have any leaves on them right now. So wait till March. Well, the black stuff doesn't wash off the trunk of the tree, though. Yeah, it will. Give it a little it more rain. It'll, it'll wash off. And besides, you know, the trunk of most crepe myrtles does that pretty exfoliation where the bark sort of peels and comes down on the bark of the tree, and just the swelling and exfoliation of the bark is going to take the black stuff off. No problem. Oh, okay. And it's just falling on the roses, too, or it's the same problem, basically? It's, roses can have aphids, and they can have black spot or have the sooty mold on them. But more than likely, it's the crepe myrtle aphids because they were just so numerous this year that the honeydew fell on everything around your crepe myrtle. And so on, okay. the, on the roses, when the leaves fall off, that'll be the end of that. Yeah, problem. it's that whole section of my yard. Kind of. <laughs> it's all black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it is. So, right. well, uh, thank you, Walter. This is a great thing, and the systemic insecticides on crepe myrtles don't seem to have much effect on pollinating plants. And I have to be very careful these days to think about if there's any problem that the systemics could engender on the plants that they are applied to, because crepe myrtle flowers don't have a bunch of pollen in them, or they don't have a bunch of nectar in them that would attract the pollinating insects. And so, generally speaking, it's safe for pollinating insects, and uh, you can use it with, without any real problem. So, systemic? Yeah, Bayer tree and shrub, or bonide systemic granules, either one. Okay. I got I to gotta write that down. <laughs> I know, write that down. <laughs> great question, buddy. I hope to hear from you real soon with another great question, too. All right, thank you. You bet. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. 404-872-0750 or hashtag AskWalter. As far as insects go, the aphids this past year, the way that you knew, the way that I knew that I had crepe myrtle aphids was whenever I'd go outside, even in January, February last year, where it still hadn't had a real hard freeze, I'd come inside and feel something sort of creepy crawly on the backside of my neck and I you know put a pick at it with my fingers and pull it out and look at it. It was just a little fat green insect. Little bitty things, not huge, but certainly noticeable and visible. And if you squish them, which of course being a guy I did, so if I squished them, 
then uh, they'll be pretty juicy. They're full of honeydew, full of the stuff that they excrete out of the back of their bodies. And so I knew that I had crepe myrtle aphids all through the winter last year. I knew that I would have crepe myrtle aphids on the crepe myrtles this year. I did treat my crepe myrtles with the systemic back in March or April, I think, of this past year, and didn't have much problem with it after that. But you can tell when you have crepe myrtle aphids, they're little creatures that drop down out of the tree and make you sort of creepy when you come back inside the house. It's 647. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Mostly cloudy today. High of 64, low 41 overnight. It's going to be a great day to watch or be outside or be inside either one to watch the University of Georgia Bulldogs play, if not overwhelmed, the University of the Georgia State, Georgia Tech University. What do we call Georgia Tech? Just Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech Georgia Institute of Technology, I guess. They're going to be on here. You know that. The game starts around... Oh, mercy. 12.30, I think it is, and our, our show this morning stops at 8.30, by the way. More Sunday, more sun tomorrow. High of 61, low of 37 degrees tomorrow. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. A couple of things to mention about lawn care. I mentioned earlier that if you have a question about lawn care and what can be done now, fescue can be fertilized. If you have not fertilized fescue already, during the fall, usually I put two. When I had a fescue lawn, I put two fertilizations on, one in September and one in November. And so if you've already fertilized it back in September, this is another great time to put fescue fertilizer out, let it grow, let it be green. This is the time it really, really appreciates being fed. For the other grasses like Bermuda grass or St. Augustine or zoysia, nothing to do. Mow them that last time. We've probably already done that. They're going brown right now. But one of the things you can do on lawn when you have a tree, broadleaf trees as well as pine trees, if you have a not terribly thick layer of leaves, mow those leaves and let them decompose on the lawn. As long as you don't have the long windrows of leaves that cover the grass and make it sort of slimy underneath there during the wintertime. But as long as the leaf particles are small enough that they can sift down amongst the leaf uh, leaves of the grass, then there's nothing wrong with mowing the lawn a couple of times just to shred up the leaves and put them on the ground. That's a little bit more organic matter, and organic matter, of course, is what grasses and everybody else loves to have incorporated an upper inch or two of soil. So you can certainly shred your leaves and put them there. And if you feel like you need to rake the leaves off the lawn, that's a good thing too, but I would expect, hopefully, that all of you have a compost pile or some place you can pile up the leaves and let them rot, because the bottom of that compost pile will be the richest soil you have ever used in a vegetable garden or in a pot to put your bulbs or things into. It is a fabulous medium to plant things into. And so a compost pile with the leaves is no special formula or way to compost. Simply pile the leaves up in a place where they don't blow all over the backyard. You can use wire. You can use pallets. I saw an ugly one made out of pallets last week. But you can make a compost pile, let the leaves from your lawn and from your driveway compost and rot back there next spring. You've got this great layer of decomposed leaves, which is wonderful for putting into a vegetable garden, as I said, into pots or small flower beds or something like that. Leaves are great. You don't want to waste them. Don't put them out in the garbage for the garbage man to take because you need those leaves. 
your garden, your landscape, and other parts can use those decomposed leaves. It's 657 and one half at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more lawn and garden after news, but remember our phone number, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. 